4: Hey, everybody!
5: What's up out there?
4: Oh, welcome back to the show! So
5: wonderful to have you.
4: That's so good to be back. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Thank you, thank you, by the way, for all the well wishes, the comments, the messages. Yeah. You all are so sweet. I felt like I was. Uh, I was really nearing the end and everyone was just... <laughs> Gave me an outpouring of support for this little cold. But <laughs> I, I know. Really appreciated I was like, it.
5: "Wow! What, one day, if there's any—hopefully, never—but <laughs> if you ever have anything super life-threatening, uh-huh. you know that a lot of people will care. Yeah, which is turn nice. to the
4: fans mm-hmm. who were so much more uh, dedicated to reaching out and checking in than uh, maybe some of my uh, close friends and <laughs> family. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Your close friends and family are like, he's fine. He's
4: fine. He'll be ugh, <laughs> this again. Jeez.
5: <laughs> this guy's coughing again.
4: Oh, but no, I really appreciate it. And it was really nice to see. That's yeah. yes, the people care. Mm-hmm. People even listen to the show. It still just amazes me every day. And I love it. Uh And thanks for coming back. We've got a great one today. We're so excited oh, about the story.
5: <laughs> it just gets crazier as it goes.
4: This is one of those that I knew was weird going into it, but the more the research came out, it was just like, what is happening? <laughs> um, I mean, the the main part of this story was almost just one part
1: mm-hmm. of an
4: episode with many different stories in it, but the more we learned, the more it just became a full episode in its own right.
5: Yeah.
4: So super excited about this. I hope you're all doing well. Let's get right into the, today's episode, because it's just too cool to f- I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait. I can't so wait. Fun. We got to start. Got to do it. Um real quick for all you hey Arnold fans out there this is not the Oscar Kokoshka that you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anybody? All, any, any, any of my uh <laughs> millennial crickets? friends? Crickets? Hey Arnold. This Oscar Kokoshka was an artist in Austria in the early 20th century and his paintings and poems and plays Totally scandalized the art world, but his work influenced the Viennese expressionist movement, and he's considered a foundational artist in the Western world today. But we're not going to do like a full biography of him. You know, he, he lived, he grew up, all that stuff. He died he went Whatever. To school, blah, blah blah. But <laughs> we're going to focus on three specific works that he brought to the world in the name of ridiculous romance: a poem, a play, and, of course a handmade sex doll. Of course. Of course. So, (laughs) let's go. Let's get to know Oscar and see just how influential he was in the modern expressionist sex doll art world.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Let's do this. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story a production of iHeartRadio.
4: Oscar Kokoschka was born in Austria-Hungary in 1886 in the small town of Pöchlarn on the Danube River. His father was a goldsmith and a traveling salesman, but he wasn't great at you know financial stability, and he was always struggling to keep the family afloat. They had to keep moving to smaller and smaller houses even as their family grew, with Oscar having two younger siblings, a sister and a brother. And when Oscar was only three years old, the family went bankrupt and they had to move to Vienna. Which, you know... It's 2022. I'm trying to imagine a world where you go broke and have to move to a city.
5: I know, right? It's so opposite <laughs> these days. Oh, my
4: God. I'm like, we could barely afford to live in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, anymore. everyone
5: we know is like, you know, um, Oklahoma's looking real nice. Yeah. <laughs> At you least know, in price. <laughs> uh,
4: you know, things are getting kind of tight in the city right now. I was thinking about moving to rural Austria.
5: It would be a culture <laughs> shift, but yes. the savings are incredible.
4: <laughs> But despite all that, Oscar said his father always, like, gave him books that really inspired him as an artist in the future. He would give him, like—he gave him an abridged version of the Odyssey, and he loved that. He got really into epic poetry and things like that. And overall, Oscar says he was a happy child.
5: Yeah, he did well in school. Uh, Eventually, at 18 years old, a teacher helped him get a scholarship to the University of Applied Arts in Vienna. And most of his teachers there belonged to the Vienna Secession, According to the artstory.org, which was the first movement of artists who were really breaking with traditional societal tastes. Like they were not producing what was expected from artists, mm-hmm. but doing kind of more of a free expressionist kind of movement. Right. It was all about breaking from quote entrenched values or prevailing commercial tastes. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Gustav Klimt, he was a de facto leader of this movement at its beginning. Right, right. Uh, so you kind of get an idea from that. Yeah. And Klimt included Oscar in an exhibition he held in 1908 and said he was, quote, the greatest talent among the younger generation. Now, if Klimt said that about me, I would get it embroidered onto like a sampler or something.
4: I mean, if like. He's the... not even
5: my favorite artist, but no. I'd still be like, Klimt said that about me. If
4: anybody said that. It's the guy, the attendant at the gas station said that about me. <laughs> I'd be telling the whole world. He says I'm the greatest talent among younger generation. First of all, a he said young, I was of the younger, younger generation, generation, which is already <laughs> the greatest thing I heard today.
5: Thank you, sir.
4: And second Thank of all, great talent. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, Klimt, obviously a big influence on Oscar's work. If you go look at both, uh, Klimt does some super cool, weird stuff. So does Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely out there. Definitely not traditional painting. Yeah. Oscar also emerged as a playwright and a poet. And this is where he really scandalized Austria. (laughs) His first exhibit that Klimt invited him to when Oscar was just 21 was a poem that he presented. And it had illustrated lithographs. It was called The Dreaming Boys. And it was all about the budding sexuality of adolescent boys. So what you've got is like on the right panel of the page is the poem. Mm -hmm. written out and then most of the page is this illustration that goes with it
5: that's cool
4: again in a very kind of expressionistic style Mm -hmm. the story follows a young boy and a heroine named Lee, and they're in a forest together the vienna secession.com says quote the poem combines the symbolist poetry style of the late 19th century with the traditional verse forms of german folk poems
3: Dope collab.
4: <laughs> yeah. And if you know anything about uh, German folk tales, uh, mm. they're uh, horrifying <laughs> often. <Yes. laughs> Very true. It was commissioned as a children's picture book. This company came in and said, Oscar, we want you to make a children's picture book. I guess we love your weird expressionist non realism style. Right. Kids are going to love it. Um, but Oscar himself, admitted that he only followed that request for the first page. After that, it becomes this stream of conscious narrative, and the longer the story goes on, the more totally inappropriate it becomes for children. <laughs> but this is a poem, and it's a crazy one, so you just know that we've got to take a trip down to Poetry Corner and hear a little piece of Die Traumenden Knaben, or The Dreaming Youths.
5: Night. Night. The heat overcame me there in the woods. The copulating snake stroked her skin against a hot stone. The water stag rubbed his horns on the cinnamon bush. I smelled the musk of the animals in the undergrowth. I lie and dream for anxious hours, sobbing and twitching like a child helplessly driven from the lair into pubescence. This is not infancy I endure, nor manhood, only boyhood. Hesitancy and longing, baseless shame of growing, greenness, overflowing feelings, loneliness.
4: And a later verse reads, Red fishling, fishling red, with a triple-bladed knife I stab you dead, with my fingers rend you in two, that there will be an end to this soundless circling. Red fishling, Fishling red, my little knife is red. In the dish there falls a fishling dead.
5: Good night, babies. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> Sweet dreams.
4: <laughs> uh, Mom, <laughs> can we read The Hungry Caterpillar instead? <laughs> Next time. Uh, I mean, okay
5: (laughs) This is when Margaret Wise Brown was like You know, I'm going to write something about a cow Jumping over a moon Yeah, (laughs) Let's just try something different
4: Enough fish gutting In these (laughs) children's stories Boy, the Germans and Austrians Really digging in Alright, it should be said that we are Definitely cherry picking verses here And the National Gallery of Victoria Says that while this work was totally Scandalous at the time and not many copies were ordered to print. It's now quote, considered as one of the most beautiful art books of the 20th century, and it is generally recognized as foreshadowing of expressionist art. So you can see, it's still a beautiful piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, the poem in itself is written beautifully, yeah. Uh, if not a, a kind of horrific tale, <laughs> and the illustrations are uh, one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, nobody else like like this guy.
5: Says that the work itself is based on his own state of mind and his experiences growing up and falling in love as a teenager. The girl in the story was actually. You
4: know, when you gut a fish, it's just like like falling in love. love.
5: (laughs) Every time I gut a fish, I think about my first love. The girl in the story was actually based on a Swedish girl that he met in school named Lilith Lang, who was a few years his junior. Mm. And he said she often wore a red skirt and, quote, red was my favorite color. And the book was my first love letter. Mm. But unfortunately, uh, he said, quote, she had already gone out of my life by the time the poem appeared. (laughs) So Uh. he couldn't read it to her and have her be like... Oh, cool! Thank, Thank
4: you. you. Be
5: right back. Just gonna go get rid of my favorite red skirt. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> thanks so much. Oh,
4: Bye. Sorry, Lilith, you <laughs> missed it.
5: <laughs> She's like, am I the fishling dead or the fishling red? I just want right. to know which one I am before I get too scared. Right.
4: <laughs> when you say triple bladed knife, I stab you dead. Right. I don't um, know about me. <laughs> is that like? Literal or even metaphorical, <laughs> I'm not totally comfortable with not it. Into it, it's stabbing. like maybe this is a sex thing. Uh, also, don't like that.
5: Just, just leave stabbing out of your love letters. It's right. just a that's just a general note for everyone. Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah, and ripping a fish in half. Just, just. It's
5: not romantic.
4: <laughs> Dear Valentine. Dear...
5: Do you know how many fish I would kill for you? It's a lot. Love, Eli.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got my letter. I did. (laughs) Now, the poem moves the narrator between, like, emotional states of love and these violent fantasies, like the fish gutting. And Mm -hmm. as the story goes on, these two become indistinguishable from each other. The Vienna Secession.com analyzes this as an interpretation of Freud's conflict between love and death. Now Freud said that Thanatos, who represents the death drive, merges with Eros, which is the sex drive. Oh, yeah. as children grow into mature sexuality. And so the conflict between these two sort of creates this like rape fantasy. Hmm. Um, Oscar puts it in the poem, and it makes actually a little more sense to me in this regard, as he's sort of experiencing shame as he goes from innocent love into more aggressive sexual desires.
5: Oh, okay. Right? Well, that's sort of an interesting—honestly, I would read this just, you know, as a really interesting look at, as he's saying— pubescence, like boys growing up and having that weird, I mean, Brittany, you know, gave us all, not a girl, not yet a woman.
3: Right, right.
5: (laughs) This is Oscar's not a girl, not yet a woman. (laughs) Not a boy, not yet a man. (laughs) He's between the two and it's a weird time in everyone's life.
4: (laughs) Not a fishling red, not 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 quite a fishling fishling dead. dead.
5: (laughs) So it's like the big mouth of (laughs) the Vienna expressionist Yeah, to some
4: degree. It, It is interesting thinking about like when you go from that you know, the boyhood of mm-hmm. like, oh, that girl's cute. I'm afraid to talk to her. And then like a couple weeks later, you're like, I kind of want to put part of my body inside her part of her body. Like, <laughs> that's a weird shift right. to go in your head when you don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. What yeah. happened to when I just like, she made me giggle?
5: Right. You know, that was yeah. more
4: fun. Now I Used like want to be do these things. about
5: pigtails. Right. Now it's all complicated.
4: Right. <laughs> But at any rate, the work was kind of a flop. And even though he didn't really follow the commission, his benefactors did recognize that the work was unique, and they did push to have it printed. They're like, okay, uh, not the children's book we were hoping for, but I think we could do something with this.
5: Print it, but, like, don't market it to the schools. Yes. is what I'm saying.
4: Yes, there's a whole other section of the bookstore where we could put this <laughs> poem. So they had 500 copies printed, but less than half of those were sold to the public. Mm-hmm. One guy came in and bought the rest, which was like a 275 copies. And then in 1917, that guy had it republished, but also, again, to a mild reception. People mm-hmm. never really got excited about this poem until many decades later.
5: You know, when you're ahead of your time, you're ahead of your time. True. That's all there is to it. True. But in 1909, Oscar turned it all around, and he decided to try another medium.
4: There
5: you go. He's like, fuck poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Scandalized by his rather challenging poem, he thought maybe he could appeal more to the masses. So he's like, let me write a cute, totally accessible play called Murder, the Hope of Women. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah, this wasn't actually meant to appease anyone. Right. In fact, it caused a riot after its first performance. I have to say, love the title. <laughs> um, the show is very performance and image-based rather than being centered around dialogue. A lot of stage pictures I'm right. I'm imagining yeah. and stuff. And there's like a little Wikipedia summary. But rather than just read you that, that's boring. We figured, hey, we're actors. We're theater people. Let's put on a little recreation for oh, you.
4: Oh yeah. So,
5: if you stay tuned, we've got our own little version of Murder, The Hope of Women coming up right after this. Oh
4: yeah.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT and T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT and T Fiber. Live like a there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit
4: att.com/hypergig for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is
4: Welcome back to our performance of "Murder: The Hope of Women" by Oscar <laughs> Kokoschka. And remember, y'all, this is not the text of the play. <laughs> we have not read this play. Yeah. we just read the Wikipedia summary of this play and figured we could get close enough just based on that. Right. So, um, so we wrote this little script. Uh, it's about a man and his group of warriors who ride up to a tower, which is inhabited by a woman and her group of maidens. So it was a very binary uh, gender divide here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Woman in a tower, warrior comes up. So, uh, welcome to Ridiculous Theater. Please silence your devices and enjoy. Murder, the hope of women.
3: Ugh.
5: A man approaches.
4: Woman, did you just look at me? Uh,
5: no, you looked
4: at me. I'm pretty sure you looked at me. Look,
5: I know where I looked, and I didn't look at you. You looked at me.
4: The maidens all confer.
5: Oh my god, that man is a brutal conqueror. Oh yeah, definitely. I do not definitely. trust him. I don't trust him. Don't talk to him. Let's not look at him. I don't, to don't him. trust him. turn around. The warriors respond.
4: That lady's a dangerous beast. That woman is a beast. I don't like that woman. but he sucks.
5: Oh, please. Your gaze is, like, suffocating me. I feel totally devoured by your whole thing you've got going on here. It's too
4: much. All right, man, that's it. Grab her. I want her branded with my mark.
5: Ow! Oh, my god. Fuck you. I'll show you.
4: Ow! You stabbed me.
5: The women and the warriors start to get to know each other.
4: Hey, uh, you know, we've never even met that guy before. What say you ladies join us fellas for drinks over at Das Dave und Buster's? Oh my
5: god, yeah, I mean, I don't know her. (laughs) we have never even met. Ooh, wait a minute. You mean we can play skee-ball with these hot guys?
3: (laughs) Let's go.
4: Well, you stabbed me, but I think I'm getting better.
5: Well, the healthier you get, the sicker I'm getting. Please release me from whatever metaphorical chains you've got me under.
4: Actually, I'm just going to rip this door off its hinges. Here, let me touch you. <clears throat> Gasp. I die. Oops, I killed you with my touch. Hey, warriors and maidens, get over here. I'm going to touch all of you.
5: End scene. <laughs>
4: That's theater. All
5: right. Now, I'm not going to lie. Would... 100% watch this play at the Fringe Festival is which is where it should Festival. be <laughs> presented at.
4: Not all plays at the Fringe Festival <laughs> but a Fringe Festival <laughs> does have these kinds of plays.
5: Very true.
4: <laughs> sometimes they're great. Some
5: sometimes. <laughs> now this play has been called the first expressionist drama there wasn't that much dialogue, probably less than we even had. <laughs> right. Playwright Paul Kornfeld called it, quote, a verbally supported pantomime.
4: Which is weird because it's like the opposite of pantomime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like you're miming, but then you need It's like charades with words.
5: <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> kind of
4: undid the whole point.
5: This game sucks. <laughs> Um, It wasn't too well-received. A lot of critics said it was just too disturbing and ultimately ineffective at whatever it was trying to do, which I guess (laughs) I kind of agree because it's like, what happened? (laughs) Why did any of it happen? I guess I'd like to go off to the Dave and Busters. (laughs) A critic said it was nothing but a collection of screaming images devoid of character development. But a lot of work in this period of Austrian art was about language being an ineffective tool in fully expressing emotion. Right, right. So the play was certainly characteristic of that idea. Yeah. It's like language is a binder, you know, it doesn't really fully say what you're trying to say. Yeah.
4: Sometimes you just can't get your point across. Even Mm -hmm. the Austrians and Germans who seem to have a word for For everything.
5: everything. I know I'm like, especially in English, where we literally have to go lift words from other languages because (laughs) we won't make up one of our own (laughs) to explain some shit.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And it really was, I mean, again, the brief summary Mm reread. that's plot point for plot point, pretty much what happened. Soldiers roll up. They argue about who saw who first. Uh, The soldiers and maidens leave. He brands her, she stabs him, uh, he touches her, she dies, he touches everybody, they all die. The end. Now, a group of soldiers was watching the play from just outside the venue, and apparently, when the man branded the woman, they rushed through the barrier, uh, started a big fight, and a riot broke out. Police had to come and, like, calm things down before they were able to continue the show.
5: (sighs) Now but, That's good theater. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
4: If the cops have to come, you put on a good show. You did
5: a damn fine piece of art.
4: But Oscar was almost arrested for disturbing the peace. Oh. He ended up being let off with a warning. But isn't that that's good theater when <laughs> they show up and they're, they blame the artist for people <laughs> rioting about your work? And I'm like, I just showed it to them. Their reaction is unpredictable.
5: Also, how could I have known? How do you disturb the peace when you're like, I'm doing a show in like a venue where people came to look at it. Like, it's not like I'm out in the middle of a square affecting your life and you didn't ask for it. But
4: that was such a, like, mindset about uh, shock art back in the day, too, where Mm -hmm. it was like, you incited this by creating this work. You should have known that Mm -hmm. people couldn't handle it and would lose their minds. (laughs) You know, yeah, if you went back and played an episode of Big Mouth in (gasps) early 20th century Austria, they'd be like what are they saying? I don't speak English.
5: <laughs> they'd be like, wait.
4: But then they'd riot <laughs> the when you The flashing images are
5: too much for me. Yeah. I'm going to go run into the river.
4: <laughs> but yeah, they ended up letting Oscar off with a warning. You know, I'm sure they were like, next time write a nice play about kittens or something, Oscar. <laughs> you know, something people can handle.
5: <laughs> people are tired of all this politics. Yeah, and shit.
4: women getting branded. Mm-hmm. But some people have interpreted the play as a portrayal of the gender relations battle that was described by a philosopher named Otto Weininger. And if you haven't heard of Otto Weininger, get ready to wish that you'd never heard of Otto Weininger. We're going to ruin that for you. (laughs) mm -hmm,
5: Because we had to find out. So now we're going to ruin your life, too. Otto was an Austrian man who people have had the audacity to call a philosopher. (laughs) who lived from 1880 until his suicide at the age of 23 in 1903. And he wrote a single book called Geschlecht und character or Sex and Character, which, according to Britannica, quote, served as a source book for anti-Semitic propagandists. Oh, cool. Cool. He was raised Jewish but converted to Christianity the day he received his Ph.D. because he felt Judaism was, quote, feminine and amoral, as opposed to Christianity. Oh, wow. He argued in his stupid-ass book that all people (laughs) are a combination of varying proportions of masculine and feminine elements. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's like a yin-yang thing. I get that. Yeah, But the masculine elements were positive, productive, and moral, Uh while the feminine elements were negative, unproductive, and amoral. Oh, boy. He's just like one of these... Sad, pathetic men <laughs> who really was like the modern world's crashing around my ears because of femininity and yeah. women having a say over anything, or, as he equates it, Jewishness. So it's like femininity and Jewish people. It's all the same thing to him. It's yeah. all gathered up together in his weird, horrible brain. yeah, that Jewish looks, probably looks like the bottom of a dumpster,
4: <laughs> yeah. Jewishness and femininity were the same to him, and they were on the rise. Right. And that was crushing. Men were becoming more feminine. Women were getting more power. And to him, that's the same as Jewishness taking right. over. And both those things are inherently bad.
5: And that society would collapse and around that, yeah, you. Yeah. Which I'm like, what What was being taken away from Otto? That was making him feel so unsafe in right. the world around him. Like he's right. so scared. Men who are so scared of women are just fucking pathetic to right. me. And like it, you have. Anyway, sorry. I get. I'm getting mad. No, no. <laughs>
4: it's, it's accurately so. But it's again. It's not even women. Right. It's femininity. Even Period. men mm-hmm. beca- becoming less of like the the man type that I think men should be, which is like smart and outdoorsy and strong <laughs> and like women can't be those things or that femininity means those things go away or that those things are necessary for a strong society. All of those notions are just batshit crazy.
5: Right. Or that if you're Jewish, you just somehow more feminine than a Christian man. I mean, it's
4: so weird the way he equates them.
5: This guy's brain didn't work. That's my (laughs) guess.
4: (laughs) He literally in this in this dumb book he wrote, he starts one paragraph saying, quote, It does not enter the author's mind to idealize man in order to more easily lower the estimation of women. And then that whole paragraph, he talks about how totally unjustified it is to say that he's doing that. Then he ends that same paragraph saying, quote, and therefore, I must again assert that the woman of the highest standard is immeasurably beneath the man of the lowest standard.
5: All right, so I'm not definitely not saying that one's superior to the other, but uh, one is superior to the it's other.
4: Outrageous. Again,
5: the guy's brain did not work. His train <laughs> of thought never left the station.
4: <laughs> he did argue that some masculine women can free themselves from the failings of femininity and that female life basically revolves around having sex and having babies. And by the way, he called women having sex prostitution. Just in general, across the board, it's always prostitution.
5: What is wrong with Otto? Who hurt you, Otto?
4: Oh, yeah. He said the feminine side is all about being a, quote, matchmaker. And the masculine aspect of personality is about striving to become a genius and to forego sexuality and choose God instead, where the man will find himself. So he's basically king of the incels here.
5: So he's like, any sex is bad and wrong, even when men do it.
4: I guess. Again, I'm not reading this or, whole or, book. But, uh,
5: no, I don't care. I get. You know what? You're right. What do I, <laughs> Why do I need to refine his point? I don't <laughs> right. give a fuck. It's dumb. Right,
4: <laughs> right. Also, if you weren't sure about this guy yet, <laughs> guess who was a really, really big fan of his in huh. Austria and Germany just a few decades later? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a hint. Okay. He's got a tiny mustache. Charlie Chaplin. And a big superiority complex. Charlie Chaplin? And he didn't think too fondly of the Jews. Oh. Yeah, that guy.
5: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Not you know who I'm Charlie talking Chaplin. about. Charlie Chaplin?
4: Not Charlie
3: Chaplin. <laughs>
5: Also, if you weren't sure about that guy before that, maybe this isn't a show for you. <laughs> I
3: <Fair. laughs>
5: Just won't throw that out there. Anyway, that's Otto Weininger, a man whom I wish we hadn't spent any time learning
4: about. <laughs> right.
5: Uh, he shot himself in the chest at 23 years old in the house that Beethoven died in. He said Beethoven was the greatest genius of all time.
4: Okay. All right, so he and therefore, music. I'm going to kill myself in his bedroom. Like, what? I don't understand... <laughs> Why that was his?
5: i be
4: crazy. This is, I mean, like <laughs> we've all been twenty-three. Probably most of our listeners have been twenty-three have. at some point. Not all of you yet. <laughs> but it's like that you ha- you don't have it together yet.
5: That's true. You know, rarely. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean, I know. Again, this is the early nineteen hundreds. People at twenty-three had accomplished a lot more than Today's I have 45. at thirty-seven now. But still. <laughs> You learn a lot.
5: Yeah. Anyway, Otto sucks. Moving on. (laughs) Oscar Kokoschka's play Murder, the Hope of Women has been compared to this guy's teachings, right? Whether or not it was intended to be, most scholars see the show as a representation of the clash between classic masculinity and the modern progressing world. Mm. You know, that old men are being castrated thing that men always seem to be scared of all through history, even though men have always been in charge of like everything all the time. <laughs> right, yeah. And they're the ones like cut off his dick. So whatever. It's your choice. <laughs> any day. I
4: know it's been 20,000 years of us being in charge, but any day now people are going to get a little too feminine and it's all going to come crashing down. Right.
5: Which I don't know. I mean, looking around, I'm like, Please. Crash it down. Let us build something new. I don't understand why we're like, human beings are in charge of everything. And we chose credit scores and fucking mortgages. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) We can't get a little more creative. (laughs) Well, anyway, you know, Oscar grew up and he did fall in love with a woman named Alma Mahler and he loved her so much that he just could not let her go. So we'll get into Oscar's most ridiculous act of romance right after this break.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a guggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
4: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
5: Welcome back to Oscar Kokoschka. In 1912,
4: just a couple years after his play, The Murder, the Hope of Women, Oscar fell in love with a woman named Alma Mahler. And, okay, this is one of those stories where we realize that Alma herself is going to need her own entire episode one day. Definitely. She was an Austrian composer, an author, and a socialite who wrote nearly 50 songs in her life for piano and voice. She had a life full of marriages and affairs. And an article in The Guardian by Sarah Connolly refers to her as, quote, a monster but a very intriguing monster, <laughs> with traits of pathological cruelty, vanity, entitlement, and anti-Semitism. Oh, you know, there really just seems to be a lot of anti-Semitism going around early twentieth-century Austria. Hmm. <laughs> almost like, Wonder, almost uh, like something was cooking.
5: It's almost like a trend was being placed. Ugh,
4: God! Now it's said that Alma's deafness in one ear forced her to lean in closely to conversations. And this made people who spoke with her feel valued and understood like they had her full attention, right? And she was very beautiful. So this beautiful woman, like, leaning in close to you and just, like, listening to every word you say so intently. People just, like, were so struck by that. And she loved this. And she used it. She worked with it. And then when she was done with said person, she would just cast them off like it was nothing. Wow. Yesterday's trash. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.
5: She was a muse for countless artists including Gustav Klimt who gave her her first kiss. Oh, Not bad. I
4: wonder if it was an abstract expressionist kiss. <laughs> right?
5: He kissed all around the air around her mouth. He
4: like pressed <laughs> his ear up to her forehead.
5: <laughs> wow. <Well, sorry. laughs> that just <laughs> Like I guess who said the lips go together? Right? It could be any part of our body. That's just pressed. the societal He's, like, my demand. Elbow my elbow <laughs> yeah. to the chin. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. <laughs> who is society to dictate what a kiss is to me?
5: <laughs> I'm Gustav Klimt.
4: I'm Gustav Klimt.
5: She was also a muse of her composition teacher, Alexander Zemlinsky, who was also her first lover. Whoops. And, of course, Oskar Kokoshka, very right. inspired by her. Again, her story is just way too much to get into here. Stay tuned for the Alma Mahler story sometime oh, yeah. in the future, because we definitely will do it. But in terms of her time with Oscar, they met in April of 1912 at a dinner held by her stepfather, Carl Moll, and they were immediately fascinated with each other. Mm -hmm. Alma asked Oscar to paint her portrait, which he did in his own sort of like Mona Lisa style. Right. He gave her like a coy, mysterious smile. Mm -hmm. And the website, almamahler.at, says that Oscar painted her in delicate, iridescent hues. But with her narrow energetic mouth, she, quote, appears determined, almost dangerous. So that's interesting. Portraits, man. I wish I could sit for a portrait because the things they see.
4: Oh, right. You know what
5: I mean? Like sometimes just the way they evoke your personality with their paint is so interesting.
4: It's one of those ones. Mona Lisa is so ubiquitous. That you you kind of mm-hmm. don't notice it when you see yeah. it. It's just like, yeah, the Mona Lisa. I know that as a as an icon.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but if you go in and look at the detail and like read something about what you know what critics say about it, yeah. You're like, oh shit, yeah, there is so much more there than you're seeing right off the bat. Right. Um, almost wish you could see it for the first time without yeah. knowing that it's the Mona Lisa, right? And totally. really get a fresh perspective on it. Totally. And this painting of Alma is, I mean, he, he literally did design it after the Mona Lisa. It was his version of that mm. um, in his own weird style, um, and it's pretty, it's, it's pretty wild to see, so look it up. Now, Alma's husband, the composer Gustav Mahler, had died less than a year before she met Oscar. During the ten years that they were married, she had several affairs, and after he died, she turned down many men, including a lot of his friends who came up to like comfort her and uh, that that old story.
5: Did they um, like propose to her? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay.
4: Oh, yeah. And she continued to enjoy her freedom. And she even pursued being a biologist for a little while. Mm-hmm. Although another side story we'll get into her with her episode. The guy she was working with kind of fell in love with her. And then he was like, if you leave me, I'll give up biology forever. And she was like, I need to stop being a biologist. <laughs> and she walked away from that. <laughs>
5: Just said, I thought the scientist would be a little more chill than the nope. artist, but y'all all dramatic. Yep.
4: But when men approached her, Alma tried to determine if they were clever and interesting enough to make up for their flaws, which, <laughs> according to arthive.com, she considered to be, quote, craziness, unattractiveness, differences in age, and Jewish roots.
5: All right. You had me in the first half. Right. But <laughs> you lost me at the end. <laughs>
4: Unbelievable, this woman. Well, in walks Oscar Kokoshka, who was apparently clever and interesting enough to make up for his craziness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hey, he wasn't Jewish. Although I do want to point out here that Oscar in the 1920s and 30s was a fierce critic of Nazi anti Semitism. And he even resigned from teaching at a school he was teaching at when they expelled Jewish students. So Oscar, not an (laughs) anti-Semite. We're cool with him on that front.
5: Just loved one.
4: Alma Mahler, definitely an (laughs) anti-Semite. Not cool. Not cool.
5: Very uncool.
4: We here, Ridiculous Romance, are against anti-Semitism and we're not ashamed to say it.
5: (laughs) So the two of them fell in love. Oscar said, quote, how beautiful she was, how seductive behind her veil of dreams. I was enchanted by her. Ooh. What an artist. <laughs> and Alma thought this guy was reckless and brilliant. Right. And that was enough to rope her in.
4: Right. She saw uh, murder hope of women and she, she was like, yes. This
5: is my guy. This
4: guy's just cuckoo enough.
5: I'd also love to murder.
4: <laughs> <laughs> murder the hope of me. <laughs>
5: But she did also have a little thing going on with the architect, Walter Gropius. I guess he was Gropius-ing her. (laughs) Walter
4: Gropius sounds like the worst Harry Potter character. (laughs) They're like, well. (laughs) Oh, no. Walter Gropius got into Hogwarts again. Walter Gropius, you've been ordered to stay 300 feet from Hogwarts at all
3: times. (laughs) I was
5: about to say. <laughs> Dumbledore's like, well, we almost had a new defense against the dark arts teacher, but turned out to be Walter Gropies. I had to kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> so, still on the lookout. A <laughs> cursed position. Am I right? Oh, no. Now, Alma likes to hedge her bets. So, she kept her correspondence going with Walter. And kept her fling with Oscar a secret. She's kind of like, which one of y'all are going to really take it home? (laughs) Uh
4: It's like, I'm examining your family trees before I decide which one of you I'll stay with.
5: But this didn't last too long, though, because Walter went to see an exhibition in Berlin where Oscar had created a painting of himself and Alma intertwined in bed. Oh, no. And it was titled engagement <laughs> so Walter sees it and he's like huh that's funny I thought I was hanging out with this bitch turns out she's over here getting her portrait painted in right. bed with somebody else so... it's like
4: uh, uh, you versus the guy she tells you not to worry yeah, about and it's like a painting of them in bed together <laughs> he's just a portrait artist just a yeah it's
5: a figment of his crazed imagination <laughs> So after that, Walter cut things off with Alma. He's like, clearly you're fucking this other guy. Yeah, I'm good. I'm going to go gropy as somebody else.
4: (laughs) But of course, despite the title of the painting, Alma and Oscar were not engaged. And Oscar was actually aggressively jealous of all the attention and affection that Alma got. Mm. I mean, her close friends or public admirers drove him crazy, which is, you know, if you're going to be that jealous, maybe dating a socialite who's famous for being like beautiful and sleeping with a bunch of people is not Bad the idea. girl for you. Bad right? idea, yeah. But he fell for her. He was even jealous of her dead husband, Gustav.
5: Okay, now that's a little much. <laughs> uh, the guy's dead. Like, right. wow, what's he doing? How's he a threat to you? Right.
4: And again, we'll get into that in her episode, but it's not like she was very loyal to him. So,
5: okay, yeah, (laughs) you don't have to be jealous of him, even in life. (laughs) Uh
4: But Oscar was he only painted Alma for a very long time. And if she didn't write to him every day, he would go nuts. He said in one of his letters, quote, I must have you for my wife or my genius will self-destruct. You must resuscitate my soul each night like an elixir. Which is like the artist's version of, I'll kill myself if you leave me. Alma's
5: like, "Mm, cool, I get to write more letters. What a great chore you've given me.
4: (laughs) Yeah, this was not Alma's speed. She's probably wondering what she got herself into with this Mm -hmm. guy. She didn't want to get married to Oscar or really anyone. And she didn't like being tied down too tightly, especially to this guy who's pretty wacky. (laughs) But then Alma got pregnant with Oscar.
5: And it wasn't even a question. Alma immediately went to get an abortion. Mm. Oscar's only 26. Alma's 35. She flat out knew that this was the wrong plan for them going forward. Right. She's like, I don't want a kid with this guy. This is
4: not how you start a happy family. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh,
5: and according to arthive.org, Oscar took the blood-stained dress from her and carried it around with him and kept repeating, quote, This is my only child and always will be. Okay, when
4: when your man's actually holding the red flag in his hands, in his (laughs) (laughs) like, (laughs) oh, I should have paid attention to all those uh, metaphorical red flags earlier.
5: I'd be like, oh, here's some underwear that I like got my period on. You want carry those around too? Yeah, could also been a baby. You never know. Wow, (laughs) (laughs) you like blood? I got plenty. Well, as time went on, Alma just felt, like, smothered by Oscar's passion Mm, and his, like, insistence on letters every day and carrying around her bloody clothes and shit. It's just, like, a lot, Oscar. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) So she went on more and more trips with friends, Uh that good old Dorothy Putnam (laughs) (laughs) prescription. And she just tried to find reasons to, like, be away from him as much as possible. The uh-huh. sign of a very strong relationship. Right.
4: She gets home from the store. Oh, you know what? Shoot, I forgot something. Damn. I got to go back to the store Oof. for a few hours.
5: Do you think she'd even make up an excuse? To her I, she'd right. just be like, you know, Oscar, I'm just real sick of you right now. I'm going to go take a walk. <laughs> right. The Guardian says that Oscar was probably the only man she ever really loved. And years later, Alma admitted that Kokoshka was her only true boyfriend and that she truly loved his artistry. Yeah. So she did really have some deep feelings for him, but it was just like
4: He was just too much. It was a lot. Yeah, yeah he was
5: just too much. Yeah. And I get that. That's she sucks, but like Oh yeah. He is kind of acting insane. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but Alma wanted out of this relationship now. And maybe understandably, she didn't think that he would take a breakup too well. Huh, I wonder you know? what
5: made her think that. <laughs> the so, whole, I'd probably kill myself if you didn't write to me every day. Right.
4: So in 1913, she came up with her own batshit plan. She turned <laughs> to him and said, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll marry you, mm-hmm. but only if you create an artistic masterpiece. Wow. Which is insane. Like for her to be like, well, okay, I'll tell you what, I will marry you, which is not the thing you should tell someone who wants to marry you, but you don't want to marry.
3: marry Don't lead
4: with, I will marry you if. Mm -hmm. Bad choice of words. Mm -hmm. I guess she's thinking maybe that he would get flustered and like not Be able to create this masterpiece and then blame himself and then just leave her and be like, I'm not good enough for you. I couldn't do it. So Mm. I have to leave you, you know, and then he wouldn't fault her for leaving. I don't know. Speculation station (laughs) as to whether or not that's what was going through her head. But y'all, Oscar loved her too much. So he actually painted a masterpiece. Oh
5: shit, Alma! <laughs> it's, this,
4: it's this painting of the two of them in bed in the middle of a storm and she's like clinging to him with her eyes closed as he sort of looks outward, protecting her from the elements. And it really is like a very remarkable painting. Mm-hmm. It's called The Bride of the Wind, if you want to look it up, because uh, I was impressed by yeah, it. It, cool. it. He's not my style, but I saw this and I was like, damn, this is a really uh, just tumultuous like you know uh, energetic painting yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's pretty cool <laughs> so now alma's like oh shit he did it <laughs> and she needed another excuse to not marry this guy who she definitely didn't want to marry
5: who would have thought this great artist would I know, make a right? great art weird
4: <laughs> inspired by the person who <laughs> inspires him the most
5: i know <laughs> after i threw down a gauntlet who knew lucky for alma the Great War had broken out. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Woo! We'll let the draft office break up with this guy for oh me, I God.
4: guess. I mean, look, if anyone was excited about the World Wars, okay, it was Alma Mahler. That's mind. so Am true. Right? Am I right? A
5: terrible bitch. <laughs> so she starts calling Oscar a coward for not taking part. Oh. And she insulted him like this so many times that he went out and joined the 15th Imperial Dragoons, which was a cavalry division. Alma. That is insane.
4: Bullying someone into joining the army okay. is a whole other level of gaslighting. Play. You know, that's, that is an abusive relationship right there. She
5: straight up was like, I hope you get killed on the front so I don't have to break so up with you. So I don't have you. to break up with you. Come on. Girl, just face the music. Right. So Oscar sold The Bride of the Wind, his masterpiece. And use the money to buy the best horse. I guess you would want the best horse if you're in a a horse war. Right. Right now, maybe not so useful, but (laughs) but at the time.
4: I'm going to Iraq. I bought the best horse I could find. Everybody's
5: like, oh, cool. Good luck to you. But the best horse didn't help him. War was brutal for everyone, but especially Oscar. He was stabbed in the lung by a bayonet, oh. and later he was shot clean through the head. Oh, my God. And Viennese newspapers actually declared him dead.
4: Sure, he got <laughs> shot in the head.
5: Exactly. Like, well, oh, well, I guess we don't need any more information. But he actually survived, which is blowing my mind. Yeah, blew Kinda his light. mind, too.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> 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 oh, you're too Sorry. <laughs> Stole your joke. <laughs>
5: That's all right. <laughs> and Alma was probably like, phew, my plan worked perfect. Oh, shit. He's still alive. And she heard the news that he was recovering in a hospital. She said, quote, none of this bothers me. I don't believe he's as badly as wounded as he says he is. I don't believe one thing this man says anymore. Oh,
4: my God.
5: And she rushed to his studio. She snatched up all her letters that she had sent to him and any revealing drawings that he had done of her and never saw him again.
4: Unbelievable.
5: Terrible. Like, this is your one true love, supposedly. Yeah. And he is, like, in a hospital recovering from war that you made him go to. Right. And you're right. like, eh, let he me was, go get all my shit out of your studio and never see you again.
4: Like, he was shot through the head. <laughs> His left hand was paralyzed from this and he was unconscious on the battlefield because, you know, he'd been shot right, in the head. Right. And they thought he was dead. And she's like, Ugh, mm-hmm. not as bad as he says it is.
5: God, what a drama queen. <laughs> right. Like, who cares, man? It's not like a bayonet to the <gasps> oh, lung. My God. And then oh, she you was- got one of those too? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Quit bitching about it.
4: It's not like a bayonet to both lungs.
5: <laughs> what else <Exactly>. you got? <laughs> you got shot through the head and survived. I don't see what you're bitching about.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. And then she went and stole all of the letters she sent him yeah. and had him destroyed. And this was her M.O. Again, Whole episode coming on her later, but she uh, forged a lot of letters in her previous marriage to make it look like her husband treated her more badly than he really did. Damn. And then snatched up all the nice letters that she wrote to him and burned them because she didn't want people to know that she actually liked him.
5: Wow. She
4: is crazy. This
5: bitch sucks. And she actually ended up marrying Walter Gropius. Oh. So I don't know why he came back for more.
4: (laughs) It didn't last I'll tell you that much. She ended up getting married a couple more times.
5: Well, he should have freaking cut ties when he saw that painting and moved on with his life. Yeah. But sorry, Gropius.
4: So Oscar is in the hospital recovering from getting shot in the head and stabbed in the lung. (laughs) Um, But while he was there, he was being Oscar and they declared him mentally unstable while he was Mm -hmm. at the hospital. Um, He did actually go back into battle at a certain point. Dealt with a lot of shell shock. It was really bad. Um, eventually he got out, he recovered, and he continued to his career as an artist, traveling Europe and painting everything. Mm-hmm. But he suffered hallucinations and terrible memories from the war. Like you do. Like you do. Shell shocked, he totally lost his grip on reality, and he centered all of his trauma on his obsession with Alma. Mm. He wanted her back in any form he could find her. So he reached out to a woman named Ermine Muse, and she was a painter who ended up finding success as a doll maker. Oscar had seen her work in Dresden, and he thought, "Hey, you know what would really fill this alma-shaped hole in my heart? An alma-shaped doll." Yay! So, he commissioned Ermine Muse to do exactly that.
5: And he was incredibly specific with her in his commission. Mm. Ermine had mostly crocheted her dolls, uh-huh. but Oscar wrote her a letter, saying, quote, Dear Fraulein Moose, can the mouth open? And are there teeth and tongue inside too? I would be happy. Don't fall into stylization with the eyes. Maybe glaze the callus with nail polish. It would be nice if you could also close the eyelids. And nowhere do you allow seams in places where you think it hurts me and remind me that the fetish is a wretched bellows. <laughs> like her is reading this letter, like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? <laughs> I make dolls for children, sir. Right. You want teeth?
4: You want a tongue? She he wants like the most technologically advanced doll of all time. With yeah. Whose eyes open and close. I
5: mean, she's like, what? <laughs> She's like, okay, Uh huh. I guess I'll go find some teeth somewhere. Right, right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she has got to be thinking, like, probably, again, speculation station, what was actually going on in her head. But I'm thinking she thinks this guy's so crazy that whatever she gives him, he's going to be like, oh, it's a real woman. Thank oh, you. Well, yeah, like, yeah, she's probably like, okay, dude, whatever. Okay. Here's your doll.
3: Okay. You know? Bye.
4: And he keeps sending her more and more of these instruction letters. The details are outrageous. He wrote to her, quote, Please permit my sense of touch to take pleasure in those places where layers of fat or muscle suddenly give way to a sinewy covering of skin. For the first layer, inside, please use fine curly horsehair. You must buy an old sofa or something and have the horsehair disinfected. The point of all this for me is an experience which I must be able to embrace. So he's telling her, like, yeah, get an old couch and make it feel (laughs) just like a person so that I can feel like bone and muscle and tendons and stuff underneath. I want it to feel like I'm touching an actual human being. We don't have this technology yet now. Like the most advanced sex dolls now are just... Starting to match his descriptions here. <laughs>
5: Armin is like, I'm so out of my element. <laughs> right.
4: She's like, well, a, a sofa? Okay, I, I got a sofa.
5: You want to make a doll out of a sofa? I'm so confused. <laughs> and that's She's like inside? disinfecting horsehair for like a week and a half. Right. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> She's
4: like, I, I'm charging by the hour. I know. It's charging... a living. <laughs> Charged by the sofa. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you pay for supplies, so okay. Right. And another letter from Oscar reads, quote, I am very curious to see how the stuffing works. I am really extremely impatient to find out what that will be like and how its texture will vary according to the nature of the part of the body it belongs to. She's like, yeah, me too. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I'm working it out, bro. Quote, if you are able to carry out this task, to deceive me with such magic that when I see it and touch, imagine that I have the woman of my dreams in front of me... Then, dear Fraulein Moose, I will be eternally indebted to your skills of invention and your womanly sensitivity. Wow. <laughs> She's like, I'll be indebted to something. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> She's like, well, I got a bunch of trash together and body parts like you asked me, and I guess I'm going <laughs> to cobble them together into something, and I hope that it does it for you.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. There's been a lot of uh, conversation. I found some, some research, too, where people discuss Oscar's idea that you can just fabricate a woman as an object and that also Mm -hmm. that he needed a woman to sort of birth it for him
1: yeah uh,
4: you know and use her own womanly sensitivity to understand what this man would need from a sex doll
5: which is so strange to I don't know. I can't even.
4: I, 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 <laughs> there's, there's no words.
5: I can't put my brain into this. You know what I mean? Right. Like I really try to put myself in someone else's shoes yeah. and be like, I guess I can see why someone might. I do not understand right. why he thought poor Ermine could do this right. and would understand what he was going for and would enter into it enough to like, I don't know, buy some leather, I guess. Is that what he, he's like, get some leather around the arms yeah, and then know. make it softer around her breast area. I, I just don't. I right. I don't know. Right. Poor Armin. She, she was like, I just wanted to make some dolls for kids. Like,
4: you wonder if he's like, he's an artist. So yeah. he's used to the idea of like, there's an image in my head mm-hmm. and I know what I need to do to create it in the real world. So you're an artist, you're a doll maker. If I put the image in your head, then surely you'll be able to make it a real thing. Mm-hmm. Even though realism is not his bag, so I, I don't know why he thinks that someone can just yeah. like create this very realistic, you know, uh, humanoid sex doll.
5: He's like, I don't want an expressionist sex doll, I can make right. that myself. <laughs> I, mean, I want not <laughs> I mean I want a realistic sex doll for once.
4: I've seen all your crocheted miniatures, so I know you can do this, is... A very big leap. It's huge. You know, and there's a lot of conversation about uh, this guy did take a bullet to the brain. True. Um, this guy was already uh, had a loose grip on reality and and on uh, what women were as right. well. Right, right. Uh, so who knows? Who knows where he's getting all this? So after a year, Ermin finally finishes this doll. And y'all, it is... Horrifying is the only <laughs> word that I could find for it. First of all, it is covered in fur. Uh, Head to toe, straight up furry. Like, he, she took that sofa idea. And I, I think she misunderstood thing. what he meant. It was like, I guess it's, I guess he wants it to be furry, like a couch?
5: I mean, you know, he did say inside. or I mean, read the whole letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's saying. Right. <laughs> when he
3: gets it.
4: I mean, the shape is... Womanly, right? Like mm-hmm. it is a uh, mannequin esque. Okay. I mean, if you if you had really bad vision and you were standing very far away, uh-huh. and someone came to you and said, "Hey, there's there's a human woman lying naked on that couch," oh. you know, you would probably say, "Really? What's wrong with her?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, like you wouldn't quite. It would take that, I and mean, then even still, you wouldn't quite buy it.
5: You'd be squinting, like, "What disease does she have?"
4: <laughs> I mean, poor Hermine did what she could Um, but Oscar unfortunately was not enough out of his mind (laughs) to accept this as a a real person he wrote back to her without holding back quote Fraulein Moose I am honestly shocked the outer shell is a polar bear pelt suitable for shaggy imitation rug rather than the soft and supple skin of a woman The result is that I cannot even dress the doll, which you knew was my intention, (laughs) let alone array her in delicate and precious robes. Even attempting to pull on one stocking would be like asking a French dancing master to waltz with a polar bear.
5: (laughs) Ermine was like, I so wanted to send you back a letter that said, I am honestly shocked by this commission, sir. Right. But hey, Oscar had to work with what he had, okay? <laughs> He's like, I've waited a year. She's already <laughs> torn apart the sofa. Right? I mean, what am I going to do? Wait another year? <laughs> so he draped his furry horror show in silk and lace. And, you know, Speculation Station, he definitely fucked that doll.
4: Oh, yeah. He
5: found a, somewhere to put his penis in it.
4: <laughs> he was like this. I
5: don't know if it was where it's supposed to go, but he, <laughs> he found said, a place. You <laughs>
4: said, any port in a storm. <laughs>
5: He did more than 80 paintings of the doll in various poses, and he took a series of photographs with it. You know, he fully used it in his art as his muse, I guess. And, you know, I guess it worked for him in a way. Uh, Later, he wrote, quote, Finally, after I had drawn it and painted it over and over again, I decided to do away with it. It had managed to cure me completely of my passion.
4: No shit. Okay. It's like, somehow, <laughs> when I associated this doll with Alma, after a year of fucking it, I decided <laughs> I was done with her.
5: He's like, in my mind, Alma was a beautiful woman who leaned in closely to conversation. <laughs> and then over a year, she turned into a really lumpy, furry, weird thing. Yeah, And I've... I was like, you know, for some reason, not attracted to her anymore. <laughs>
4: you got to wonder if you, like, did her voice, too. Oh. Ah, oh, Oscar, you should go join the war, you coward! There she is. That's <laughs> my girl.
5: <laughs> so anyway, it was finally time to get rid of this piece of shit. And because Oscar can only go big, right. he decided to throw a huge party with music and dancing, uh-huh. during which he had his maid dress the doll in beautiful clothes to be displayed one last time. <laughs> And as dawn broke and everyone was drunk, he took the doll outside to the garden, smashed a bottle of red wine over its head, and decapitated it.
4: (laughs) What a farewell.
5: He's like he's really going for the breakup situation. I mean, he should've just done that a year ago. Right. And burned all the Alma's stuff, but yeah. instead he had to do this real long thing. This
4: effigy. It's
5: almost like a piece of performance art.
4: I mean, if he had done it yeah. in
5: public, it would be such a cool
4: sort <laughs> piece of it of was a big party. Right it was practically public. That's
5: true. I, I wonder... mean, I meant the year before. Oh, that, right, right. But, but true.
4: I wonder if he invited Hermine to the party.
5: <laughs> She's like, I would love to see that shit burn. Let's do it. <laughs> She's like, that haunts my dreams. <laughs> right. Every time I see a sofa, I have to I scream.
4: <laughs> oh, Oscar. <laughs> um, you know, after this, Oscar actually settled down in Prague with a younger woman named Olda Palkovska. Uh, they had to flee to england in 1938 because he was considered a degenerate artist and of course like we said he said nothing kind about the nazis and uh eastern europe prague austria germany were starting to get pretty bad for well a lot of people so they went to england they were married in an air raid shelter in 1941 and then they became british citizens after the war they helped raise money for children's charities and eventually they moved to Switzerland where they spent the rest of their days which had long been Oscar's dream to sort of retire to Switzerland
3: I
5: mean, mine that's my too
4: dream. <laughs> sounds great <laughs> right and I don't I don't want to have to decapitate a sex doll to get there no thank you
5: also can you can you just cast your mind to Olda uh, and Oscar's you know I don't know. Maybe their engagement. They've been dating for a while. Uh She's like, Oscar, tell me something about yourself. (laughs) I don't know yet. (laughs) And he's like, well, you already know about me getting shot through the head. Right. Oh, I've got one. Listen what I did. (laughs) Don't ever break up with me. (laughs) You know that old
4: sofa out back?
5: (laughs) Had one just like it once. Yeah. Put my dick in it.
4: Oh, man. Well, after Oscar's death in 1980... Olda took all of his diaries and letters, and she gave them to the Zurich Central Library. Very different than what Alma did with his letters. Okay, yeah.
5: She's right? like, let me save these for posterity. Yeah.
4: And then Olda spent her remaining years devoted to finding and collecting any of his works. And she would purchase them, acquire them however she could, and donate those to the library as well. And eventually, she started the Oscar Kokoschka Foundation. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in Alma Mahler's biography, she said that Oscar hadn't ever painted anything worthwhile ever since she dumped him.
5: Wow, so Alma. It's a
4: contrast between his two loves there.
5: <laughs> the ego uh, Alma is crazy. I can't She's wait to really do her something. episode cuz oh, she yeah. sounds like a um, an intriguing monster indeed. Yeah,
4: yeah definitely. Definitely. What a couple of a very um, colorful people. Oscar and Alma. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alma
5: did a number on him. She
4: really did. She 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 did a number on a lot of people. Yeah. It's kind of her... I uh, guess
5: Alma and the war thing. combined yeah. did a number on him.
4: Yes. Which the war also did a number on a lot of people. Probably not as many as Alma, but... <laughs>
5: <laughs> They're like... <laughs> How many men were brought down by the Great War versus <laughs> Alma Mahler? Right.
4: I mean, they didn't even want to do a sequel with Alma.
5: That's right. You they, know? Was...
4: <sighs> they were like, we could do a we're second done. World War, but we can't do a second Alma. <laughs> I
5: can't do this, Alma.
4: <laughs> These uh, two.
5: This was one of those stories that I was like, oh, wow, what a weirdo, this poem. Oh, my God, this play. Oh, my God, this doll. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> it just keeps. them just I'm really climbing every time. It really does.
4: We've 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 talked about a lot of people falling in love with their sex dolls on this show or holograms or chatbots or whatever.
5: Right. We remember um, Carl Tonsler making his tor- terrible Tonsler, weird effigy thing. Oh my that God. he would dance with for seven years.
4: Yeah, one of our Halloween episodes, if you hadn't heard of Carl Tonsler who mummified That's a right. young girl who was who he was in love with, who she, she was no not in love him. with him, but he mummified her body and Kept it with him. Now, Oscar, very different. He was not in love with this doll. In fact, he resented it. Yeah. Um. But just the idea that he had in his head that he could put it together. And like we said in a recent episode, too, actual, like, manufactured sex dolls right. were not really popularized or, or, or brought into well, I don't know, popular culture or whatever <laughs> until... Well, yeah,
5: it was in our uh, brief history of sex toys with Ridiculous History. Yeah. Um, We found out that World War II, they were making it for soldiers on the front line. They were like, find me something they can fuck because I'm tired of them going to these prostitutes and getting diseases and dying from the diseases. I need them to die from gunfire or nothing. (laughs) and uh,
4: it was a straight up Goebbels project right yeah, yeah I
5: think so and it like the design for it ended up being the design the inspiration for the design of Barbie dolls right also weird uh, legacy <laughs> for a <laughs> child's toy but I guess Ermine is out here like you know listen you get into child's toys you don't know what's gonna happen to you okay <laughs> it's a weird world Oscar tried to make a children's book. What did he make? A uh, crazy right. stream of consciousness. Right. He contacts a children's toy maker. What did he make? An insane nightmare.
4: Absolutely. But you wonder if uh, Goebbels. <laughs> you wonder if Goebbels didn't uh, hear about Oscar and go, "Oh, mm. this is a good idea. Oh. Maybe this is my solution here." Because um, the Nazis did know about Oscar and they didn't. Oh, okay. They didn't take too kindly to his work. That's Again, true. he was not. He was vocal about how much they sucked gerbils Ugh. Like he's guy. someone
5: who i'd go back in time probably stab a few times
4: <laughs> We heard it here first folks <laughs> gerbils sucks
5: <laughs> i hope this is not the first time <laughs> right yeah
4: <laughs> if yeah. it is
5: uh maybe change your media <laughs> you consume
4: um i really go check out some of oscar's work because mm-hmm. uh it's different yeah it's certainly different it's definitely abstract um, but it's there is a real beauty to it. There's a real um. He's he's got a way with motion and with color. Yeah, uh, that's really impressive. And and you can kind of see these secessionists in Vienna being like, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna make what you think I'm gonna make. I want to make what's in my head. I'm gonna yeah. make something different and wild and crazy. And uh, this whole group of artists was really uh, pushing something new.
5: I do like expressionism for that reason. I mean, it's easy to dismiss it and be like, oh, look, a square or whatever. We talked about fractals before, Jackson Pollock and stuff like that. And it just seems like so easy. My kindergartner could do it or Uh something. But there's something to be said about like growing up in a world where art is one thing and saying, you know, this is not really encompassing the mood that I feel or right. the, the you know, my internal life is not being reflected in this lovely Vermeer painting or right. whatever. Right. Um, things are chaos. Life is chaos. Emotions are chaos. I'm growing and changing. I don't understand the world around me. How else do you express that besides a bit of chaos right. on on the canvas? Yeah. Or a desperation for control of like, here's a square. It's just one square, damn it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And
4: I mean, if you see that square and you're like, my kindergartner could draw that. Maybe stop shitting on your kindergartner. Maybe your kindergartner is a great artist. Exactly. Ever consider that?
5: Imagine Mozart at five and people going, whatever, my five-year-old can do that. Yeah.
4: But I mean, you know, your, your kindergartner had an image in his mind. Right. And it went down through his hand and it became that. In the real world, on paper, that's tough. Yeah, I can't do that shit. I can't draw a square. <laughs> well,
5: I think you can draw a square. <laughs> I've tried. It's a circle. It's, abysmal. it's, the, it's the circles that get you.
4: Well, diamonds. <laughs> it's just a rotated square, but it's tough. <laughs> anyway,
5: I can't draw a star without doing the actual. You know what I mean? Without lifting. Oh your pen. yeah, sure. I know some people can do it without. All that, but I
4: can't. Some people can do incredible things, and I don't understand it. Um, Lucky you. I don't know how you do it, because uh, it's just uh, time and practice <laughs> and energy and I guess devotion. I do and know it. That's how you okay. Do. I get it. I'm just not going to do it. Exercise and diet, Jake. It's not that hard. It sounds hard.
5: <laughs> sounds hard. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, well, I hope y'all enjoyed this wacky, wacky story. Mm-hmm. Oscar is white a person.
5: Yeah. Crazy. Um, but almost crazier, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Actually, I don't know.
4: Complicated people anyway. Yeah. Um, with uh, an array of choices they made. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, we're happy they did because we get to talk about it here on this show and laugh about it. So true. I Hope y'all laugh too. Let us know. Of course, mm-hmm. we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Yeah, and we'd love to just hear anything you've got to say—just stream of conscious poem. Yeah, about your, your... Uh, about your uh, sexual coming of age. Go ahead and <laughs> send it to us. I don't know. Maybe we'll read it.
5: Maybe your version of murder the hope of women.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. What's your hope of women?
5: Right, it's still murder. <laughs> I've got some hopes for women
4: right now, but. Uh, Oh, hope.
5: It's still murder. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, please reach out. We are Romance at gmail.com.
5: Right, or find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at dynamiteboom.
4: I'm at, oh, great, it's Eli. And
5: the show is at Romance.
4: Please follow along. Uh, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. And we cannot wait to bring you the next episode.
5: Love you. Bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and
4: aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal
0: podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.